the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Your job is to represent Jesus well. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, your job is to represent Jesus well. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, your job as an ambassador is to represent Jesus well. You are ambassadors of Christ. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Jesus prayed and he He prayed continually. It says, and Jesus said, that word said is the imperfect tense, which literally means again and again. So just imagine as they were nailing his hands, Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. As they were nailing his feet, Jesus prayed, Father, Forgive them. As they jabbed their cross into the ground, Jesus prayed. As they jeered at him, as the disciples had left him, Jesus prayed. As he breathed his last breaths, Jesus prayed. When you experience hurt, the first thing you should do is pray. It's an issue of focus. Stop focusing on the hurt and start focusing on the Father, which is the next word I want you to see. It was a personal word. He was praying to his Father, and we understand that because we believe in what we call the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But the Bible teaches that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you become a child of God. Did you know that? Do you understand that? When when you step across that faith line, you're adopted into God's family, and just as clearly as That day when we sat in the Hillsborough County courtroom and I looked at a judge and I answered the tough questions and I I said that we would take this young girl into our home and that she would bear my name and be a part of my family and that became a legal transaction in the same way. If you follow Christ, you become a part of God's family. You become a child of God. (laughs) Romans 8.15 puts it this way, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you receive the Spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit of adoption as sons, you could say as daughters, by which we cry, Abba, Daddy, Father. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit. We are children of God. 
Now, you may in this world not have known an earthly father that represented God well. I was blessed. I did. But let me just tell you something that means regardless of your experience. That means with God as your father, you have one who loves you unconditionally. You have one who loves you in an unchanging way. And you have one whose love is unending. I want you to understand this today. If you have become a follower of Jesus Christ, you are adopted into the family of God. God loves you no matter what you've done, no matter what your experiences have been in life. God loves you and he cares about you as your father. This is so important. Because you're going to focus on him, not those hurts. You're going to focus on him, not those that have done you wrong. You're going to focus on him, not the pain. But it was also a pardoning word. Because the meat of the statement is clear. Father, forgive them. You can't begin to understand the Christ life without understanding forgiveness. That's who we are. That's what is supposed to separate us. It's that that distinguishes us from the world. Not these religious gatherings. Not even these disciplines or habits that we have. It's this ability to practice that which God has done for us. To forgive. Even when it may seem unforgivable forgiveness it sounds good sounds great until you have to do it this is not new for jesus right he's preaching that famous message where kind of the groupies come around, not his disciples, but the groupies. I mean, 5,000 or more are gathered, maybe 20,000 on a hillside. It's called the Sermon on the Mount, and, and Jesus is talking, and, and they ask him to teach him how to pray, and, and so he does. And, and we remember what he says in that prayer, right? He, he begins again saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, cause your name to be sacred. Your kingdom come, your will be done in my life today, just as it is in heaven. Give us this day. Give me today what I need, my daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive us our debt as we forgive our debtors. And Jesus ends that prayer, and then he realizes, I don't think they got it. And so he drives home that point again, and he says, let me just say something to you. If if you don't learn to forgive, you will not be forgiven. I grew up in church, and I've, I've been around church all my life, and for the last 30 years, this has been my 
vocation. It's been the primary focus of my life. And there's a lot of problems in church. I mean, gossip's a problem in church. And, uh, you know, uh, division can be a problem in church. And there's all kind of habits and addictions that come into people's lives that spring up and become a problem in church. And good grief, a failure to be generous is a problem in church. But if you were to ask me, what, what's the number one problem in church? I don't even have to think it's unforgiveness. It's that those who profess to follow Christ don't forgive as he forgave. And if we really believe the words of Jesus, then if that's the case, our eternal security may be in jeopardy. Because according to Jesus, you you don't have this Christian existence if you have not become a forgiver. Jesus modeled it in the Sermon on the Mount, and then he reminded Peter of this, right? Peter, who who was in the habit of sticking his foot into his mouth, was trying to just figure out exactly what's the minimum I have to do. Do do any of you ever live that way? I sometimes struggled. In in classes throughout a long educational process, I I sometimes would act that way. What do I have to do? It's kind of like, what's passing? I mean, can I just pass? Peter said, how, how many times do you have to forgive Jesus? Seven? That's a, that's a holy number. Do I have to forgive seven times? And Jesus tells a story to drive his point home, but ultimately he says what? Nah, you, you forgive however many times it takes, Peter. You, you forgive like I'm forgiving you again and again and again. Now, in Jesus' ministry, he had repeatedly forgiven sins. In fact, that's what caused a lot of the Jews to be angry with him. Because he would say after he healed someone, go, your sins are forgiven. And they would say, who do you think you are, God? And Jesus would just smile, maybe wink. But here, on the cross where he's embodying humanity and taking our punishment. He doesn't forgive. He asked the Father to forgive. And Sometimes as we're navigating our hurt and the pain that we've been through, we recognize this is going to take supernatural intervention. So just think about that. When mankind was at its worst, God was at his best. When we were doing the worst thing we could possibly do, we were murdering God. He was showing mercy. That's who he is. Justice meeting mercy. I know what some of you are saying. That sounds good, Pastor, but you don't know how fresh this is. You're you're right, I don't. He does. He gets you. You don't know what it's like to experience the hurt I've experienced. And you're right, I don't. But he does. He gets you. 
And some of you are thinking, man, if I can just get some healing, if I get a little further down the road, I I need some time. When time passes, you know the the saying, Pastor, time time heals a lot of wounds. When when time passes, then I'll forgive. I, I would just remind you that it was Jesus on the cross with his wounds open who said, Father, forgive them. And who was them? Could have been Judas. Because he certainly blew it big. Maybe it was those elected officials. (laughs) Maybe it was Herod and Pilate. Or the Jewish leaders, the religious people. Those that somewhere along the way, they had started down the right path, but something had gone awry. They knew a Messiah was coming, but they were blinded to see Jesus. Maybe it was them. Maybe it was the soldiers. The one with the hammer in his hands. Maybe it's the one whose spit was running down Jesus' chest. Perhaps it was the one whose fingerprints were on the crown of thorns. Or maybe it was the disciples. Where were they? Not with Jesus, not at the cross. John would come back and we'll hear what Jesus says to him, but the rest of them, who knows? They were fishing or went to the 7-Eleven. I don't know. And Jesus says, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Maybe he was doing as he did in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember when he prayed? He he prayed for his disciples, and then he prayed for you and me. He he prayed for us. He, he, He prayed for those that would come after them. That's us. Maybe he was saying for us, Father, for those that will be church members and church leaders and church attenders, but they get caught up in these sinful practices. They hold on to these hurts. Father, forgive them. It was also a promised word. Jesus was doing something that would have to be done. We know this because in Isaiah, in Isaiah 53, we have this passage where Jesus is pictured as the suffering servant. And in that passage in Isaiah, this is what it says. He bore the sin of many and he makes intercession for the transgressors. So many, many years before Jesus would be on the cross, we would hear that on the cross, he would pray for those that were crucifying him. And that's significant because it's just a reminder as I go through these hurts that the one who gets me, the one who knows, is faithful to keep his word. He's a promise-keeping God. That's who he is. He's the original promise-keeper. He's faithful and he's true. But it's not just that. It's a powerful word. Jesus' prayer on the cross, it had impact. It came true. 
God's forgiveness was granted, even to some of those who were there. How do we know? Because after Jesus died, he was buried. He was buried for three days and then praise the Lord, he rose again. Jesus is alive. Jesus rose again and he spent the next 40 days pouring into those disciples. About 120 of them had gathered in Jerusalem and they would hold worship services and they would eat together and they would study God's word together. But then Jesus ascended into heaven after giving them his marching orders. But when he ascended into heaven, they gathered and they did what we've done today. They opened the scriptures and they read. They worshiped the Lord together. They prayed. And you know what happened? The Holy Spirit of God began to fall upon them. And Peter, the man who had put his foot in his mouth, all of a sudden had a golden tongue. And he stood up and he began to preach. And on that day, 3,000 people began a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then the next day, he preached again. And a couple thousand more followed Jesus. And in Acts 3, in Acts 3, when Peter was preaching, he says to the crowd, And now, brothers, I know. I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your rulers. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Some of you, you've come to this place, and whether it be a sinful practice or whether it be hurt that you're holding on to, it's the ignorance that has gripped you. But ignorance is not innocence, is it? Sin must still be forgiven. It must be dealt with. And God deals with our sin. Well, remember the one point. I've told you the story, but the one point was straightforward. Jesus knows what it's like to feel hurt. He gets your pain. Do you understand that? There's nothing that you can experience that he doesn't understand. He's encountered pain as well. So what do you do? According to Jesus, the pathway to peace always involves forgiveness. And some of you today, as you're navigating the hurts of life that are very, very real and the wounds that may go very deep, you've got to begin to contemplate Where does the forgiveness demonstrated by Jesus on the cross, where does it apply in my life? If you're a follower of Jesus, you've received it. Paul tells us about that equation in in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, for by grace are you saved by grace through your faith. It's the gift of God. It's not of your works, lest any of us should boast That we would be proud. You've experienced what it's like to have that forgiveness. And so now he wants you to live in a way of forgiveness. That's why Paul would go on to say in that same letter to Ephesians, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. Henry Nouwen says, forgiveness is the well at the center of God's village. Get that picture in your mind. You're a part of the family of God, Christ followers. So you're living in God's village. And that well is where we go to, to have our thirst quenched, to be nourished, 
You go to Jesus for forgiveness. So I want you to think about the cross. What Jesus did for you on Calvary. And I want you to ask what forgiveness needs to be accomplished in your life. Charles Spurgeon said, let us go to Calvary to learn how to be forgiven. And then let us linger there to learn how to forgive. Simple message. I want to give you four practical ways to respond. A pastor by the name of Robert Nash, I think, summarizes these well. So I'm going to use his model. Number one, he says, see your need. See your need. What sins in your life need to be confessed? Where is forgiveness needed in you? Where is forgiveness needed from you? Do you see the need for forgiveness in your life? Number two, see Jesus. One of the things this kind of message does is it kind of stirs up the hurts in our life. Because I've reminded you of some of those pains. I've reminded you perhaps of abuse or maybe the addiction you struggled with. This sin battle or, or the way you've been wronged and sinned against. And when all of that is stirred up, what you've got to do is look back to the cross and you've got to see Jesus. He is the answer. You understand that, right? Whatever you're facing, Jesus is the answer. Whatever you need, he is the answer. However broken and hurt and in pain you are, he is the answer. See Jesus for who he is. See your needs, see Jesus, and then go to him, go to God. When it comes to the area of forgiveness, this is confession. Confess is a word that literally means to agree with. We're agreeing with God about our need for him. We've seen the need. We've seen what Jesus does to meet our need. And then we're going to God. Now, let me tell you two ways we do that. One is when we become a follower of Christ. And the reality is, like every group to whom I speak, you're divided into two categories. It's probably not right down the middle, but there are two categories of you. One group of you, you've got that relationship with Christ. There's been that time where you stepped across the faith line. If you were to die today, you know that you're going to spend forever in heaven. That's not any question, any doubt in your mind. And for you, what this means is that you go to God and you stay regularly confessed up about your sins, or you go to God and you ask him to help you forgive where you need to forgive. But remember, there's two groups. There has to be a number of you that have never begun a relationship with Christ. It doesn't make you a bad person. It just makes you like everyone else on the planet. You were born a sinner, separated from God. That's what the Bible says. We're all sinners, every one of us. That means we all have that same need of forgiveness. And until that need is met once and for all through your trust in Jesus Christ, you have no hope but to deal with your hurt on your own. 
So for you today, what you need to do is go to God for salvation, we call it. You go to God and ask for that forgiveness for that first time. You recognize that you're a sinner. You believe that what Jesus endured on the cross was for the pain of your sin. And then you trust that that was enough. And you go to God. I'm going to give you a chance to do that in just a moment. But there's a lot of us here that need to do this last thing. You need to go to others. Some of you need to go to someone and ask forgiveness. You've wronged them. You've hurt them. You've said things about them. You've done things to them. You've assumed the worst rather than assumed the best. And you need to go to them. Uh, Others of you need to go to someone and, and seek reconciliation. I read this morning in 2 Corinthians 5 that if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old things have passed away. All things have become new. And because of that, God calls us his ambassadors. We've watched the news this week as we see ambassadors from Eastern Europe that have been dislodged. They no longer can represent our nation in another nation. But you're here. And you're his ambassadors. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.